This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Good morning. It's great to see you today. It's great to be with you. Uh, how many of you like the transition day of, of skipping ahead an hour? Anybody like that? If you do, um, come talk with me. Like, uh, I, th- I think I like it about six months from now, right when we have to go back the other way. That's, that's when, about when I like it. But it, it's a great morning. It's a great morning to be gathered together. Um, and, and it's a great morning to think about what, what Jesus calls us to, what action Jesus calls us to. In this series that we've been, been uh, in leading up to Easter, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. And we've been seeing how Jesus calls us to action. And today we're going to be looking at how Jesus calls us to the action of being sent out. In Pastor Bob's uh, office... Well, in, in lots of our offices, I don't know what you have on your office wall if you have an office, but in Pastor Bob's office, there are some, a number of different pictures. He's got, a, he's got a number of different things in there. But there's one picture that's on his wall that's also in your bulletin today. And if you've got that card, um, I'd encourage you to just take a moment, take it out and look at it. There are moments where I'm in meetings in Pastor Bob's office, and or uh, we're gathered in there, maybe we're talking about something in in the life of the church. Maybe there's some sort of decision we're making, or maybe we're just gathered in there to pray. And my eye often takes me to this picture uh, because there's a number of things about it that I I just find um, nourishing to my own heart, my own soul. Like, uh, I mean, on on the first thing that I notice is that this is a picture of the Last Supper, right? Or at least it's Jesus at mealtime with his disciples, But there's something striking to me about the image of Jesus taking that cup and giving it to one of his beloved disciples. Because um, sometimes I feel like it's, that's really the offer that God in Christ makes to all of us. That, That God in Christ comes to us and he comes to me and he makes this offering of himself. He takes a cup and he extends it to me and he says, um, I know who you are. And I know what your life is like. And I know who I made you to be. And I want you to be one with me. I want you to have fellowship with me. I want want you to have the life that you were meant to have. And so in that offering of the cup to whoever that is at table with him, I see that I get to have a seat there. And I get to be a recipient of what Jesus offers to the world to me. I also noticed that around, around that table, at the back of the picture, if you will, are a crowd of others gathered there. And it strikes me that as you read through the Gospels, and you read through the story of Luke and Acts, which are two books written by one person, by, by this guy Luke, who's a physician, um, Luke often shows us how Jesus is he calls some, right? He calls the 12 and they follow. And, and yet he keeps pushing, pushing the call to more people because he knows that more people long, long to know God, long to be connected to God. And so this picture, every time I look at it, I see the intimacy that Jesus has for us and I see the love of God that he has for the entire world. And that Jesus calls 12, and they travel with him, and they learn with him. And then before long, Jesus says, 
Now you've, you've been a recipient. Now it's time to go be a participant. And he sends the 12. And then there are 72. And they follow him and they learn from him. And then Jesus says, now go share what you've, what you've learned. Go share that with others. Go share the life of God and share it with, with others. Today we want to take a look at a passage in Luke. It, we'll find it in Luke 10. And in that passage, what we find is Jesus sending out people that are dearly beloved to him into the countryside. And Luke, that the story goes something like this. After these things, and uh, these things are uh, what happens in Luke chapter 9. Jesus said, The Lord commissioned 72 others and sent them on ahead in pairs to every city. I'll keep this with me, Grant. Uh, he said to them, the harvest is bigger than you th um, can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. Go, though, be warned, though, that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take a wallet. Don't take a bag or sandals. Don't even greet anyone along the way. Whenever you enter a house, first say, may peace be on this house. If anyone there shares God's peace, then your peace will rest on that person. But if not, your blessing will return to you. Remain in this house, eating and drinking whatever they set before you. For workers deserve their pay. Don't move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a city and its people welcome you, eat what they set before you. I wonder if, if Jesus would say that if they set liver before you. I'm not a fan of liver, and I always think about when I'm reading this, I'm like, what do you do if they set liver before you? Some of you probably love liver. Anyway, uh, heal the sick who are there and say to them, God's kingdom has come upon you. Whenever you enter a city and the people don't welcome you, go into the streets and say, as a complaint against you, we brush off the dust of your city that is collected on our feet. But know this, God's kingdom has come to you. I assure you, Jesus said, that Sodom had, uh, will be better off on Judgment Day than that city. And how terrible it will be for you, Chorazin. How terrible will it be for you, Bethsaida, uh, if the miracles done among you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have changed their hearts and lives long ago. They would have sat around in funeral clothes and ashes. But Tyre and Sidon will be better off at the judgment than you. And you, Capernaum, uh, Will be honored. Uh, will you be honored by being raised up to heaven? No, you will be cast down to the place of the dead. Whoever listens to you listens to me, Jesus says. Whoever rejects you rejects me. Whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Luke doesn't tell us this, but at that moment, the 72 go out. And then he says they return, joyously return, saying, Lord, even the demons submit themselves to us. In your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And here ends the reading of God's word. As you um, have that text before you, I don't know if you, if you open up your Bible or if you have it on your phone. I, I would just encourage you to do that just for a moment. Because I'd love for you to think about what you see happening there. And for us to be in a, just a brief conversation, even if 
maybe my voice is the only one heard, but you know, you have a way of expressing yourself even in conversation. I wonder what you see. What do you see within the text? What do you see happening there? First of all, I think we see the heart of God. We see uh, the heart of Jesus, where Jesus sees that the world is hungering to know that it can be connected to God. Jesus says it like this. He says, the, the harvest is plentiful. Jesus knows that there's a thirst for God that exists within his, own, within his own time, within his own land, within the land of Israel at the moment. But then he says something else about, though the, the harvest is great, he says the workers are few. Though there ought to be a number of people um, who can meet the need, Jesus looks up and he says, you know, um, I just don't see people out there sharing the life that God has shared with us. So he says the workers are few. But then he goes on to say, what do you do if the workers are few and you know that the harvest is plentiful? He says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers. And so in that instant, Jesus seems to pray. He looks up, he lifts up his eyes, and he notices that there are not just 12, but there's a lot of people there. And so he begins to commission them to, to go out on behalf of this harvest that is great. And so we might say that Jesus sends and as he sends, he sends with a bit, of, a bit of instruction. He doesn't send just willy-nilly, but he says, I'm going to send you out like lambs among wolves. And so if you're going to go out in that fashion, here's how I want you to go. I want you to go quickly, and I want you to go light. I told uh, the earlier service that as I thought about those two phrases, I thought about how Anna and I would travel when we had young kids. We never went quickly and we never went light when we went on a trip. We always packed stuff in and we were packed to the gills and it was take an hour just to pack and unpack everything. In the, anybody else been there? Some of you are there now, you know what that's like. Jesus says, don't worry about packing all your stuff in. Just go quickly, go light. You'll have what you need along the way. He says, look for a person of peace. And Matthew, in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, he puts a number of people in there that are, are very interesting characters. A couple of those people turn out to be true people of peace. One would be Ruth and the other would be Rahab. Two, two women who, who show up in the genealogy of Jesus who were, who were able to welcome people who, who weren't from their own tribe, who weren't from their own clan. But they saw somebody that had something in them of the light of God and they were hungering for it and, they, and so they opened up their homes. And I think that's what Jesus means when he says, look for somebody who's a person of peace. Look for somebody who's open to what God might wanna do. Even if they don't understand the language, look for somebody who's just yearning for good stuff to happen in their community. So Jesus, I mean, he gives those, those steps in terms of, of instruction and then he gives a, a few more. He says, receive hospitality. Um, when, when the disciples are getting ready to go or the 72 are getting ready to go, you know, Jesus is going to say to them, take the kingdom with you. Um, carry the things that we've been talking about. Carry them with you where you go. But before he ever gets to that point of being able to say, you know, give voice to what the kingdom looks like, Jesus says, have the capacity to be a recipient. Be a recipient of hospitality. Don't be somebody when you go out in my name or go out in the name of, of the kingdom of heaven thinks that you go out with all of the answers. But go out as somebody who has an openness to be a recipient, not only of hospitality, but of insight, of wisdom, of, of 
so that you can listen to what's happening in, in, the, in the people's conversation and in their lives. And then he says, bring the kingdom. And in the sense of bringing the kingdom, he talks about being able to, to bring forth healing. Jesus says, you've watched me do healings. And um, he says, you need to know that as I send you, you have capacity to do that stuff too. You ever think about that? That Jesus isn't the only one who has the capacity to heal, but that he shares it with us. He shares it with his followers. You ever think you have that capacity? And then um, it's almost like Jesus gives all those instructions, right? And then it's almost like Jesus reads the faces of the people who are around him. And I don't know if anybody raises their hand to ask the question about, like, what happens when we go to a town and, and they don't want to receive us? Or what happens when we go to a town and they don't want to hear about the kingdom? What happens in those places, Jesus, when things are uncomfortable? And Jesus has a rather lengthy comment about what to do with opposition. And I think if Jesus could have stood with us in the last couple of years in, in, the, in this present place, in fact, I think Jesus would sing one of two songs. He'd either sing Let It Go from Frozen or he'd sing Shake It Off. I just think those really summarize what Jesus is saying right there. When, what do you do if you face opposition? Just shake it off. You know what? You don't have to worry about that. If, if they don't want to hear the word that you bring, don't worry about it. Just shake it off and move on to the next town. And so then they go with that kind of insight, with that kind of commissioning, with Jesus' understanding that the world is hungering for something, they go. And Luke doesn't tell us where they go, but they go. And then they gather back. We don't really know how long they went. But at some point, they gather back. And Luke says, they are just they're pulsating with joy because they found that the world, their world, is hungering to know God. And they've been able to talk about the kingdom and they've been able to do the stuff of the kingdom, bring healing and bring freedom. And well, those words just kind of lead up to what Jesus talks about, about the salvation of God. And they come back and they start telling Jesus about all the things that, that have happened filled with joy. And Jesus says, man, I, I see the kingdom of heaven coming into the world and, and the kingdom of Satan is falling. And there are incredible things afoot. So that's what, that's what happens in the text. So as you read the text, as you hear the text, I wonder how you hear it and read it and think about it in, in connection with the place where you're at today? Like, do you think Jesus still sends people out? You think Jesus has an intention of sending us out, you out? Does he want to do that thing about sending us out two by two? As I read the, uh, the text and I think about how we respond to it, I think there's a couple of uh, of, of responses that at least within my own heart and, and mind, um, a couple of things I want to almost guard against. One is, is zeal. Uh, I've noticed that some people will read the text and they'll read it really literally, right? Like Jesus sends us out two by two, so we ought to go. And they go with great zeal. 
almost before they hear all of the ways in which Jesus tells them to go, like the how, you know? They just, if Jesus says go, then we're going to go. And they become really zealous about it. I had a friend who was zealous about cars. And when he was a, a young teenager, about 12, he didn't like the color of his dad's car. And he thought color on a car was really important. So he went and he got a, a can of paint that he thought would look better on his dad's car. And he got a paintbrush and he painted the car. Well, the outcome of that zealous job was not what he desired, nor was it what he desired when his dad kept the car in the family for years on end. He's like, Dad, you could trade it in. He's like, nope, still good. Still looks good, doesn't it? He's like, it doesn't. But his dad kept driving that car. He's like, zeal needs to be tempered with wisdom. Or sometimes we can see what Jesus does there and we think, hmm. You know, I see some people that do that today. They do it with great zeal. They go stand on a street corner. They go to a college campus. They take their bullhorn and they speak loudly. And I don't know that I really want to be a part of that storyline. I don't know that I want to be associated with people like that. And so we can let our voices be silent, be quiet. We'll witness, we say, through the things that we do, but we don't, won't necessarily say anything. Maybe we'll put a fish on the back of our trunk, but does that really convey much of anything? I don't know. Maybe that just means you're, you like to fish. I don't know what that says. I, I do know what that says, but because I know what it meant within the history of the church. But do people today know what that means within the history of the church? The whole fish sign? They know that that means that, that people were persecuted at one time for following Jesus? Do they know that they drew that picture because they were trying to signal to one another that I'm a follower of the one who is the way? So we get timid. I think a number of us get timid. And yet I can't help but realize that as you read through the scriptures, not just this passage, but through the entirety of the scriptures, one of the things that God places before us is this idea that people who, who come to him and have an experience with him and have the life of God in them aren't, aren't to be people who just store it up for themselves. They're not to be people who are warmed by a nice campfire and then don't go and tell anybody else. So how do we, how do we enter into this adventure with wisdom and yet that whole sense of joy that the disciples have as they come back to Jesus. Well, I don't know if it's, if it's because I was uh, in the midst of a cold spell and thinking about Silver Dollar City, but I began to think about roller coasters. I began to think about how I engage in a roller coaster. How many of you love roller coasters in the room? Do you love? Good. I, I like people who love roller coasters. How many of, of you are afraid of roller coasters? Like they make your, yeah, I'm there with you too. And uh, have both feelings. But I had a friend a, a few years ago, many years ago now, said to me, and, and it's been a great help, said, if ever you get to a point when you're on a roller coaster and your stomach starts to talk to you in ways that you don't want it to talk to you, he said, just look at the tracks. And if you let your eyes follow the tracks, you'll be able to enjoy the ride. Well, ever since then, that's what I do. 
I let my eyes follow the tracks, especially on a roller coaster that I've never been on. I just let my eyes follow the tracks. And it's incredible what that does. It just keeps me, I don't know, I don't know how it works, but I know at the end of the ride, I have had a great time. And then I can ride it over and over and over again. Something really, really awesome about it. And what I'd like to suggest to you is that Jesus still longs for us to hear him sending us out two by two, taking up the action that we see within the pages of Scripture. But he would also love for us to see, have us see everything else there that's within the passage, that we would go out in the ways in which he sends out the the 72 and the 12, that we would keep our eyes on the tracks. So I would suggest to us that Jesus still wants us to hear how the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That um, in the world in which we live today, people are still very hungry to know that God sees them and God cares about them. God knows about their life. And many people are living far from that reality. Jesus wants us to see that and hear that, to know that. We don't always see that or know that or hear that because oftentimes we're running with all kinds of other bags around us. The other kind of baggage that Jesus would like us to leave at home. We see all kinds of of people in different ways, different stations of life with different projections of themselves. But Jesus sees beyond all the projections and he sees the heart of people. Jesus would say to us, know that the harvest is still plentiful. And Jesus would say, but the workers are few. The workers are still few today. I mean, a lot of people will talk about religion, but few people will talk about the God-bearing life, the life of following after Jesus. Few people will share what Jesus has done in the midst of their own life Jesus says, hear this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so how is it that Jesus would have us go out? He'd have us go out telling his story of what he's done in our lives. He'd have us go out with um, telling his story about how he's raised us up, where he's given us new opportunities, almost like a resurrection, and how he's met us along the way with a cup of offering of himself. Um, one of the ministries here at Schweitzer that does that, that I, I love, and it doesn't get a ton of attention, is a ministry called Patch. And Patch is a ministry that, that helps young kids within our, within our community connect up with their moms who are in prison in Chillicothe. It's a ministry that takes two people to carry off, a driver and a, a, driver and a companion, and they start off here early in the morning, and they end up back here late at night on a Saturday once a month. Recently, I sat down with Jim Peterson, who's a, a director of this ministry, and we talked about Patch, how it got started, and, uh, and what's the effect of, of just putting yourself out there, two-by-two two basis. Uh, I'd like for you to take a look at this video from, from Jim. Patch originated in 1984 from concerned citizens that were worried about the relationship between kids 
and their mothers when the mother's incarcerated. Typically, they don't get to visit, but with this program, it provides a method for the children to get to come see their mother at, at, the, at the prison, and uh, volunteers provide the transportation. It's a 12-hour day. It's a four-hour trip up, four hours on the ground there, and then four hours back. So the kids get to spend four hours with their mother, uh, and they also have a meal together. On the way up, the, the kids are more subdued, thinking about uh, how long it's going to take to get to get up there so they can visit with their mom. And then on the way back, the kids are, are more excited because they've got the chance to visit with their mother and uh, they're more animated. The children, when, when you get to the prison, you, have, you take them into the waiting room and a person from the patch program comes to get them. But before they can go in, they have to check in with the, with the guards. All of them have to go in together and it's the same sound you hear in movies and things of the, the door closing behind someone going inside prison. But that dichotomy there of the finality of the sound of the door uh, and knowing that they're gonna come back out and, and you'll be taking them back home. Every time you go, uh, you get to see the, the enjoyment the children get from being able to spend some time with their mother. Uh, and without the volunteer drivers going, those kids uh, may not get to see their mothers, but maybe once or twice a year. The, the notes uh, always say the same thing, that uh, thank you, thank you, because they're so grateful that they were able to uh, have a program where they could get to see their kids. And the same thing with the children. They, they usually draw hearts and things on the, the notes that you get. Pass is a, is a ministry that just it listened to something that was a need in the community, sought to be a blessing. And the people who are part of it are blessed in return. If you'd like to know more about that, I'd recommend that you see Jim Peterson or write a note. You can write a note on the connection card and we can connect you with Jim if you're interested in being a part. So Jesus says, hear the, hear the hunger. Know that workers are few. And then, you know, Jesus prays. He prays for workers. I'd like to invite you to pray this morning. Uh, pray for a number of, of things. In fact, we're going to pray right now. And I'd like to ask you to pray with your eyes open. You ever pray with your eyes open? Because we're going to put a number of things up on the screen that I would just, they're like bidding prayers. I'd like you to pray for these things and just pray that God would send people along to these areas um, that he cares about and that are reaching folks. Would you pray for Patch? Would you pray for that ministry? Would you lift up your prayers for the Good News Club that meets at Pittman Elementary? Pray for the kids that come. Pray for the adults that are there. Pray, too, for the tutors that tutor at Pittman. Would you pray for those kids? Would you pray for workers? 
Jesus said to the 72, go and bring the kingdom and bring healing. There are a lot of places in our community that, that give themselves to healing the hurts of, of people in our world. Would you pray for places of healing and for people who are involved in that? Would you take a moment and pray for your neighbors? Think about the people who live around you. Who are the five or ten people that you know who live around you? Who longs for the kingdom of God to come close to them? Would you just take a moment to pray for your neighbors? Then think about your house, your home, the place where you live. Think about who comes and goes from your door. Who enters your doorway and who exits it. Who needs to know that God loves them and God cares about them. Who are the people you, you live with that you need to be reminded that, that Jesus gave us all for them? Kind Father, hear our prayers. Give us a heart and a mind. Give us a life that not only will receive you, but will bear your life in the midst of the place where you call us to live. In the name of Jesus and with the Spirit we pray, amen. Jesus prays for labors. And then he sends the 72 out. This Saturday, we're going to practice going out. There's a note in your bulletin about sent out Saturday. And we, knowing that actions speak loud, we want to practice what Jesus practiced with the 72. We want to practice going out. And so we've, we've put in motion a way in which we can do that. This Saturday, we're going to gather at 9 o'clock over in the Outreach Center. And we've got a, a good that we've connected neighborhood right to the north of us, that we're going to go out. We're going to try and do that two by two. But as we go, we're going to go to be people who listen. And so on the back of that card that's in your bulletin, there's a number of questions. And we want to conduct a community survey. We want to know what the community would have to say to us. We first want to be recipients before we, we do anything else. We want to bring about a blessing. Um, we're going to go as, as uh, in pairs of two, one way in which we'll go is we'll go two by two into the neighborhood. Another way in which we'll go is uh, there's some people in our midst who just love to pray, and so they're going to conduct prayer walks. Like they're going to walk up and down the street, and some people, I guess, are going to get in cars, and they're going to drive around. They're going to pray, just say, Spirit, help us hear what our community's saying to us. And, and then we've also got a, a way in which we can, we can enter into some group conversations. So if you'd like to be a part of of having conversations around our community, around the city of Springfield with a group, asking some of those questions that are on the back of that card, then you could, you could be a part of that. So on your connection card today, if you want to be a part of this sent out Saturday, um, we'd ask that you check box number three and then that you'd write down there which one of those exercises you'd like to be a part of.
Now, um, we don't know what's going to come from it. Nobody knows what's going to come from it. The 72 didn't know what was going to come from their going out. But they went nonetheless. And we want to go. We want to practice what Jesus does. We want to see what Jesus is up to. One of the things that we notice within the pages of Scripture, within that story, is that the 72 come back, they come rejoicing. As, uh, as the circle around the table expands, there is much joy. Earlier in this service together, you saw a video of one of our latest Jobs for Life students. We were able to capture four different videos of people who've been going through Jobs for Life recently, and their pictures are up on the screen, the students and the champions that are there. And each one of those students has a different story. None of us knew what their story was going to be like um, before they entered Jobs for Life, that program. And none of us knew what God was going to do in the midst of it. But we know that as, as people stepped out in faith, both students and champions, God did something incredible, and he continues to do something incredible. He continues to grow people and bless people. And the kingdom of God continues to expand. I can't tell you how exciting it is and it was to listen to their stories and think, what is it that God wants to do? If we'll take up this challenge, if we'll see the reality that we are meant to be a sent people. So I hope we see you this Saturday. Uh, let's pray together. And the band will come up. Father, um, help us hear your challenge that you've given to us. Help us take steps of faith with much joy and anticipation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.